Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you recently handled a case where one brother was suing his two brothers, your clients. What happened? Well, Dennis, the two brothers struggled but succeeded to build three restaurants. But when the third brother returned from being out of the country for 20 years, he sued to get one-third of their business. He claimed an oral deal between them because he had once worked as a cook for them. So what did you do? Well, during trial, we got him to acknowledge certain key dates and to his complete lack of documentation. So when his side rested, we asked the court for what's called a directed verdict, a motion that gets rid of a case after fatal facts come out during trial. And the court agreed, shooting down all but one of the brothers' causes of action. And we settled that one for a very small amount and excused the jury. And justice was done. My friends, you know that I trust Barack Lurie with my own business and other legalities. So to make sure a deal is done right, call him for your own legal issues at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Park, 866-575-8111. Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. And with me, as always, my good friend and producer, Ari David. Always a pleasure. We have a lot of news to talk about. And from that, we will talk into what we call cemented thinking. But uh, that in a moment. You'll see why I, uh, I want to kind of delay talking about that. In the news, we're now learning that the Department of Justice had visited with the Ferguson protesters at length. Uh, to talk to them about what's what and to basically, for lack of a better phrase, encourage them to think of themselves as victims. And how are we going to protest and to ensure, frankly, that there's going to be a protest? Now, that's my cynical interpretation of what, what happened. Um, and I don't, I don't see any other purpose than to do that. I suppose somebody on the left could probably say, well, Barack, no, they were there in order to make sure that things were calm and, and to kind of put things in perspective. But it's clear that they did not succeed in doing that, if that was indeed their effort. On the contrary, what, what happened was uh, that they exacerbated whatever uh, calm that they were trying to, sorry, they, they eviscerated any calm that they hoped to ever achieve. And uh, that, that, I think, was abundantly clear. Here's the worst, worst part of it. And that is that by going out there and talking about this, they were legitimizing and aggrandizing the issue itself, making it far more than it should have ever been. And with respect uh, to the life of Michael Brown, and for that matter, Eric Garner, uh, the reality is that, uh, and, and I, it's so sad that their lives are lost, but especially with the Michael Brown situation, he put himself in a, a ridiculous position that he, it was almost as if he was suicide by cop, as they say. Uh, what did he expect? You know, you're charging an officer, beating him senseless, trying to grab his gun, and then expecting the cop not to protect himself. It's a little bit bizarre. So, but, but now it's the, the fact that it's national news, and that's what the Obama administration wanted to, to make it. It wanted to make it national news. And when you send the Department of Justice down there uh, and then, and then, after that, have black leaders such as Jesse, Jesse Jackson, and Al Sharpton at the White House, and tell them, uh, what, what do they say? They keep keep the faith, stay, or, the, course. stay the course, whatever that means. Uh, but it's keep burning. 
uh, well, that's what you think it means. But look, a, a left a lefty will tell you, all right, no. What the state of the course means, uh, you know, just make progress. Make progress. Try to try to help people out. Try to understand their feelings. Um, you know, stuff like that. But I, I agree with you. If, if they truly felt that they were going to, that the mission was to calm nerves and to make sure that things don't blow up beyond where they should, well, then that's what he should have said. He, he would have said, guys, do whatever you can to minimize this. Please stop getting in the way here. Do not stir the pot here. You're only making things worse. How about leave? Yeah. Leave. Yeah. And, give, it, give it a rest for six weeks. Yeah. Because, you know, as far as the issue of progress is... If you've burned down a building in August, and that was some progress, and you're supposed to stay the course and make more progress, logic dictates that that means burn a second building down today. Well, it goes without saying that when you invite a lot of protesters into a town, you're just asking for trouble, right? It's, yes. It's like, uh, I don't know, you, if you have a Justin Bieber concert and you, and you have a lot, of, uh, a lot of people that you invite free, uh, you know, you're going to have some issues <laughs> at the end of the day. It's not going to be fun. Right, I mean, it, uh, it, it's a whole bunch of. If, if you have a, uh, uh, you know, you, you you name your favorite example. If if you decide that you're going to have uh, a Woodstock a Woodstock type um, uh, uh, rock concert, and you d- decide to invite uh, Hell's Angels to to provide security, you know, don't be surprised when things uh, kind of go awry. All right, <laughs> or if you offer free pot. You know, I mean, it, 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 so many examples we can give here. I just, I'm going to have a little fun with it. You can have some fun too. But that's what they did. You know, that's like, what, what were you thinking? You know, inviting a lot of people, encouraging um, buses to come in, and then expecting it to be calm. Pe- people want to be part of something, and and when they come in, they'll get bussed in. Do you really think that they're coming in expecting to just kind of hold hands and be kumbaya about it? No, they, they, this is an opportunity for a lot of people, an opportunity to be outside of their own town and uh, to cause a little mayhem. And that's exactly what you got. It's just, this is human nature, folks. And it's very, it's very sad that the Obama administration either A, doesn't, hasn't figured that out, or B, that it, it agitated the situation. And I tend to think that it's more on the agitation side of the equation. Why? Because as I said on the Sunday show, this is the great distraction, capital G, Capital D. Uh, Obama, of course, didn't create the Ferguson mess. He didn't create the, uh, the Eric Garner situation, but he, he sure benefits from it, right? I mean, he, and, and by golly, he's going to stoke that as much as he can. He, he benefits greatly from people talking about race relations, talking about how, how horrible this country is and how we need to make progress and such because people only... Focus on one thing at a time, as it turns out, in this country. They can't, and so they don't focus on the IRS emails, the Fast and Furious scandal, the Benghazi thing, um, the Obamacare disaster, the immigration influx disaster, uh, the VA administration disaster. Uh, I just can't, I can't remember them all. It's just, what's that rule? You can only remember seven things at any one time. I think I've just exhausted it. That's why phone numbers only have seven digits. Yeah, there you go. But you make an excellent point. And uh, Bill Whittle did a video recently about these kind of issues. And his his thesis of the video is that this on-the-street activity of chaos that you see is actually a warning from the Obama administration to anyone in his political opposition to say that 
if you oppose me and you do anything, you take any action, whether it's impeachment, investigations, any other sanction that uh, causes political harm for me, I will. I have the power to expand this kind of agitation to a town near you. Yeah, yeah. Which it's... is a terrifying prospect of a, of despotic power. Well, it is terrifying, and it uh, of course it begs the question: what were what would have happened had this been a, the, had the victim been a white uh, person? Nothing. Of course, it'd be nothing, and nobody would uh, have come out to the um, to the town of Ferguson or otherwise to say this is a terrible injustice. Look what happened. Uh, but the assumption is that it's racism. There's not a, not one iota of evidence that there was racism afoot here at all. But it's 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 just so ugly. It's so beneath the dignity of the presidency. It's beneath all of us to be talking the way we're talking. And as you and I have said on many podcasts in the past. It, uh, it, it belittles the discussion, the national discussion. It's a, it's a discussion of dissent as opposed to a discussion of assent, how we can get better. And here we are, mired in this nonsense. But I don't want to be mired in it. And I instead want to talk about um, how this uh, reflects something and what we can learn from it. And here's what I think it reflects. I call it cemented thinking. Okay, what do I mean by that? I mean that sometimes you get an impression of the way things are, and it cements in your brain. Correct? Uh, we all have cemented thinking, whether we realize it or not. There's, a, there's an impression we have of, I'm not talking about racism, I'm talking about just day-to-day -day things. You know, well, the thing, you, know, you only get one chance to make a first impression. Yeah, there you go. Any person in your life who you think is great or bad or stupid or smart. Right. Uh, so so we, we have cemented thinking. And when we see a woman, when we think about a woman, for example, we think that she likes uh, the, the softer things in life. She likes the aesthetic. She likes fashion. She likes to go shopping. And she doesn't like to watch sports. Okay? It's, it's cemented in our thinking to some extent. And likewise, speaking to another guy, we feel comfortable talking to them um, that, uh, you know, we can, we can rib them a little bit and kind of make fun of their clothes. And that's the way guys talk. And, and generally speaking, that's correct. But even going beyond that, it's a whole world view, and it gets cemented. And uh, we were talking offline, you and I, about how in the Arab world, they view that, the, uh, that Israel is the aggressor, and that Israel is a monstrous enterprise, and that they're trying to destroy the Arab world, and they eat little children and do horrible things to their women, and... Things of this. Outside of unspeakable yeah. substances. And they believe this crap. This is stuff that is in their system. It's, it's the way they teach their kids. So, like I said, I, I, I mean, it's crazy, um, I, I, but it's hard for somebody who is raised in that culture to think otherwise. Um, and and how, would you, how would you begin to teach them? How do you uncement that way of thinking? Um, that, you know, you have to have a radical crisis to change. And Noni Darwish had a radical crisis in her, in her situation. She, she began to see how the facts did not jibe with the myth that she had been told about the Israelis. And she, a brother of hers had been taken care of by the Israelis and returned promptly. And uh, that the Israelis had not you know, totally destroyed and leveled uh, her entire house when they were searching for her, her father, who was one of the bad guys in, in, the, in terrorism. 
it, it stuck with her. So, you know, it eventually it unwound the whole cementing process. But that's very rare. Um, and likewise, when it comes to uh, the communists of, of old, you know, they used to, when they, when they left uh, the Soviet Union and they came to Israel, for example, they didn't know what to do with themselves. They were so used to being told what to do that this is what government does. Your existence is to wait for the government to tell you what you need to do. They didn't have an entrepreneurial spirit. They didn't have a sense of, I can make a lot of money here. They, they, they were the very notion that there was something other than lines to get a, a roll of toilet paper. That, that was very uh, uh, alien to them. They couldn't think this way. And it took them all, the Israeli government had a whole bunch of problems with these Russian immigrants and basically had to teach them how to think for themselves and that, that you are responsible for your own destiny. It essentially deprogram them. Deprogramming, that's right. And then on a more kind of philosophical level, some people, we all know them, some people have this a victim approach to their lives. Like they, they are a woe is me uh, person. Or that every problem that has ever occurred is the, is the result of somebody else's fault, right? It, they never internalize what goes wrong with themselves. Um, they, they, they will instead project it outward and they'll say, well, it's because you didn't tell me what to do. That's the reason why I didn't do it. We know people like this. And then we have the negative Nellies out there who only think in ways of depression. Uh, then we have the mean people, right? They only, they, it never enters their mind that maybe it'll be more productive for them to be happy people. But it also cuts across politically. And we talked before about liberals and, and liberal by association. Our, one of our main themes is that liberals are often liberal because of an association that they make early on in their lives. That, uh, you know, that professor that they had, or maybe a boyfriend or a girlfriend who was just so cool and so intelligent and so witty. And, and by golly, if he, if he or she were here, you know, he'd have a retort to you, Barack. Boy, he'd, he'd know, he'd give you the what for in terms of his answers. I'm not as, as smart as he is, but, but if he were here, he'd, gosh, I wish he were here. He would, he would put you in your place, Barack. The truth is he wouldn't. You and I, you and I know he wouldn't. And it's just that they, they're so used to this mantra. It's all they know. And, and you can literally hear it in their conversations. The cement has formed. And what do I mean by that? Let me give an example. When you say to them uh, that they're, that we really should undo all these government programs, how spending uh, is reckless and how there's all these social programs are so dangerous for the country and so, so destructive for the country. They look at you and they say the following, well, how are we going to take care of the poor? And, and you say to the, yourself, like, well, I respond now, how do you think we can take care of the poor? And then they say, well, they say with a chortle, well, certainly not your way because, you know, once you get rid of all these uh, government programs, then, you know, bye-bye, poor people. They'll all be dead on the street. And, and the cementing is, is obvious, right? It, they can only think of solutions for the poor, solutions for social ills by way of the government. That's it. That's the only way they can think. It, it never dawns on them that there's another way to get there. And this is the brilliance of the liberal mindset. And in terms of, and I'm being very cynical here, of course, but the, the brilliance of it is that they have gotten their people to, to cement their minds 
in a, in a way that, that thinks that the government is the sole provider of all answers. In fact, it's even gotten to the point that they have even convinced some Republicans to feel that same way. They, they feel, uh, Repub some Republicans have go off to Washington with the, the mantra, I'm going to, to make changes. I'm going to pass bills. Uh, when the only thing that they should be doing when they go to Washington is to stop Democrats from passing laws. That's the, that's the only thing they should be doing. But they, they get into the mindset that government is the answer to everything. Government has the answers to everything. And uh, that, that is the brilliance of it, Ari. Because they, they, to the very notion that somebody has a solution that's outside of government is so alien to so many people, even among conservatives, but especially to liberals. So when you offer them another solution, that's like speaking to them in a different language. Um, you know, you and I, I, I do a lot of drafting in my legal documents, right? You know, uh, my, my partner and I can uh, argue about uh, which is the best way to phrase a certain argument, right? We can, we can chop it up into three sentences instead of two sentences. We can uh, take out this particular argument and insert that argument. But we would never think for a moment that we should argue half the brief in Chinese. <laughs> it just, it's not even, I, I mean, obviously that would be absurd. But for the liberal, when you propose an idea that is outside the government, then all they think is it's as, it's as if you are proposing to, to, to speak Chinese. You just start, suddenly speak Chinese. See, their, their only solution when they hear about government, uh, like Obamacare for, is such a good example. The, the only thing they're willing to, to consider, to, to entertain as an alternative to Obamacare when they ask for it is another government program that in turn deals with health care, Right? It, it, the, when you say to them, why don't we just let the private market handle it? That to them is the Chinese we're just talking about. It's, it's so bizarre to them that you would propose such a thing. And that's when they, they feel like, well, how can you not be proposing a government program? Obviously, government needs to, to fix this. Therefore, you are a crazy person. Therefore, you're evil, right? And I think that's a point that you had made offline a little while ago to say, that they'll they'll then attack you as evil, but that's that's the byproduct of it. But the the part you said is brilliant. The most brilliant part is that their entire political philosophy is set up as a perpetual motion machine to always arrive at that conclusion for any dissent. Right, that's right. What what government uh, solution do you have then, Ari? What well, <laughs> that, I, that, I have a non-government solution. That's right. Evil. Evil. Exactly right. I have. Yeah. Did you, did you ever see the movie, uh, you know, it reminds me of the movie The Blues Brothers. I love that movie. And one of the cutest moments is when they go into uh, the bar and they say, uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, it was, uh, it, it's just one of these funny, I, mean, I think maybe it was 48 Hours or something with Eddie Murphy. Oh, and, the, 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 um, the uh, country music bar. Yeah, so, so Eddie Murphy says, hey, what kind of music do you, do you play in this place? And she says, we have both kinds country and western <laughs> and that's the way the liberals think right i mean it's their universe of, of solutions to problems is all centered in country and western so to speak it's all in government that's it that's the answer 
If you're looking for a solution, you go to the government. Yeah, more accurately, both. We played both hip and hop. That's right. right. <laughs> That's exactly. That would be a little bit more appropriate today. You're right. And uh, rhythm and blues. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, so it's the same thing. So the, they might be able to entertain the notion that there's state government <laughs> and federal government. Okay. And we have some local government for you. Yeah, very rarely. But the, 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 the notion of not having somebody in charge, that just, what the heck are you thinking? So that's cemented thinking. This is where we're all coming around to, cemented thinking. And, and the reason why I, I want to focus on this so much is the cemented thinking in the Ferguson case as well. You're seeing this. Ferguson is all about cemented thinking. And in the beginning, um, the, the whole narrative was, this uh, hands up, don't shoot. They portrayed this situation where the cop uh, shot Michael Brown in cold blood while he was on his knees, no less, in the back. And uh, that story just kept on going. It, it had its own momentum. And then when the facts uh, came out otherwise, it was almost impossible to unturn it. People, they didn't want to, to change that. It was like, and this is kind of liberal thinking, they, only the government has solutions. That's the story, that's the narrative. And, and that's why, if you are a, a left-leaning liberal thinker, please ask yourself, am I guilty of this kind of thinking? Can I open my mind to understand that private markets might, might actually be a much more effective tool? Is, is the private market, is that a necessary evil in your mind? Something that the government allows by its good graces to exist? Or is government the necessary evil? You decide. Our narrative is that government is the necessary evil and very limited government at that. The very notion of limited government is our narrative, and they can't accept it. Cemented thinking, as I said. Obamacare, it applies to dramatically as well. Have you noticed when you were talking about, when we were fighting with those who were pushing for Obamacare, and we asked, uh, we, we said to people, look, there are other market-based solutions. They, they couldn't think of anything other than a government solution to and, Obamacare. And, and every time they had a retort, their retort addressed a problem that government distortion and interference caused. And right. whenever we put out, you don't understand, if you'd eliminate the government market distortion, you don't have a problem. That's right. And that, that's it's, the distortion. It's like, uh, you know... Um, uh, clearing a matter from the intestinal tract. Yeah. The problem is the stuff is blocking. Right. Remove the blockage, and then this problem isn't a problem anymore. Right. People talk about gridlock in Washington. It's such a, such a classic example. You know, isn't this terrible that gridlock, nothing's happening, they're not doing anything. Um, and, and as if this is the problem with a capital P, to which you and I say, fantastic. We don't, the, the more gridlock, the better. We don't want your, your friggin' laws. It means... We, 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 yeah. we want you, you to have as minimal laws as possible. It's bad enough as it is. We would like you to reverse the whole process. We'd like to go backward and get rid of these crazy, funky laws, whether it's Dodd-Frank, Obamacare, and the like, minimum wage, and, and so on, these things. But it becomes so endemic. Minimum wage is a good example, too, of cemented thinking. They, it, the, the issue is never about whether or not we should have any minimum wage at all which is what you and I talk about. We should just blow that up altogether. The issue for them is how much should be the minimum wage, right? It's, it's, now it's 775. 
should we make it $8.25, right? That's, that's, that's the, um, the frame, the framing of the issue. They can't think of it any other way. And again, it's all due to cemented thinking. Yeah, and global warming is another one oh, of these issues. Great example. I ran into a couple people in Brentwood, the uh, hotbed of this kind of thought pattern, and they were talking about global warming. And I just, I couldn't resist, you know me, I, I, I have problems with impulse control. And I said something to them. And they started screaming at me. And I said, but there's no global warming. I didn't cause this. My car didn't cause this. If it's caused, it was a volcano. Don't blame Mother Nature for your <laughs> It was like dealing with a religious fanatic. Right. So, and, and religious fanaticism is the ultimate form of cemented thinking. Yeah. But we're all, I mean, look, uh, all of us have religious uh, cemented thinking. That's true. I mean, I, we're Jewish. Uh, the way I perceive God, for example, um, it comes from a certain amount of cemented thinking. Uh, having said that, by the way, you know, I was an atheist before, and I was, and I had to uncement myself from atheism. But uh, so I came to God through the numbers, through the science, and such. But I, I acknowledge that many people, they speak God with a Jewish accent, or they speak God with a Christian accent, or a Muslim accent, and the way you perceive the world is, is really very interesting. I mean, you know, a lot of these cultures in different countries, they um, they have to. Um, undo a lot of the way that their own people think in terms of the economy. They don't have the entrepreneurial spirit that we have. We even spoke about it here uh, on the show about um, the, the Arab culture uh, has a very different way of approaching business. And they have, for example, we have a sense of right and a wrong. That's the key thing that motivates our society. Theirs is a, a society of honor and dishonor. How do you uncement that? And, and people talk past each other all the time. I remember once I saw, very sadly, a, a, a man uh, beating his, his wife terribly in an apartment that was next to our apartment when I was in law school. And I banged on the door. I grabbed one of my roommates, and we both came, because I didn't know how big the, the husband was going to be. We both pounded on the door, and we demanded to be let in and to confront this man. And we saw in the back she was whimpering, uh, obviously had been hurt. And um, the, the husband comes out, and he opens the door, and he sees the two of us. And what does he say? He doesn't say, um, he doesn't say oh, I, I wasn't doing anything. She fell, right? I didn't do anything wrong. He didn't say anything like that. I mean, we, we'd still be very suspicious, of course. What does he say? He says, she was disrespecting me. And, you know, women. And... Uh, he came. He clearly had a very thick. Uh, he had a thick Persian accent. He had come from Iran, and this particular man. I'm not speaking about all Iranians. I know, but he um, he had a very, very, very different way of a different cemented way of thinking, and that it was appropriate for him to do what he was doing because he needed to discipline his wife, and uh, as if you discipline a dog. Not, and I don't think he would even discipline a dog that way, but that's the way it is with people's mindset. And they, and they have cemented thinking. And, and now my, my, my main point is that it's not just the, the shame and honor thing. It's, it's the way they look at everything in life. So how you undo that? I mean, if, for example, uh, uh, cigarette smoking, right? Cigarette smoking was very much a, a matter of cemented thinking, that it was okay, that, that this is what you do. Um, 
And we had to unwind that, right, uh, as a society. I think to some extent, uh, you know, without offending anybody here, uh, people just assume that eating meat is, is what you do every day, every, every meal, and uh, that somehow it's really good for you. And to cement that uh, is, is dangerous. You have to uncement it. It's one thing to say, look, have a little bit of it every once in a while, fine. But to have it as a good thing is completely opposite of, of reality. Cemented thinking. Now, Ari, <laughs> Ari is licking his chops now. Yeah, he feels like he's going out for dinner right now. But you get, you get the idea. It was like an event from The Simpsons where I saw the whole cow right. in parts. <laughs> well, but it also applies in, in history. Um, people, the idea of washing your hands uh, for any sort of medical thing or, any, or washing your hands after you go to the bathroom uh, was just why would you do that? It's silly. You don't, you don't wash your hands. Well, and, and part of it is... Washing was a luxury yeah. that, that, that it, it meant nothing to be clean. Yeah, and you, you, you make... That is such a brilliant point you just made, because if you think about more from a even wider perspective, it, and this ties in with so much of what we believe, as we've talked about before, progress for like environmental cleanliness happens only when economic problem, progress from free market economics flourishing happens. Right. So thus, in Europe, in whatever century it was in the past... Water was so filthy it was lethal. So, of course, people would come to the conclusion, don't bathe in it, you'll die. Right. Right? That's right. So, for centuries, no, don't bathe. Don't get yourself wet. You get wet, bad things happen. Thus, you're drinking beer or, or other forms of alcohol or spirit because no bacteria could live in the alcohol. Yeah. So, people assume drinking water, bad, bathing water, bad because of their own experience. It took centuries to undo the cemented thinking. And it took rea- reality changing because of progress making for people to finally un- un- cement themselves. It's a, it's a great point, and I agree with it 100%, and it leads me to my next point. People will accuse us, you and I, Ari, of cemented thinking. They'll say, well, come on, guys, you've got cemented thinking of your own. You mean that, uh, that belief in God and stuff? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's silly, right. That's silly notion. Yeah. Well, but, but here's the thing. Is, first of all, I don't think it's really fair because, uh, on the God thing at least, because, you know, we evaluated it. I know speaking for myself that I was a big time atheist. I knew it inside and out. And I led, I, I went with where the facts took me. But they'll say to you that you are uh, cemented in your thinking that the answer to all problems is the uh, private sector. And that uh, private sector can't do any bad and the government is always bad. And uh, therefore, you're just as guilty of it as we are, Barack and Ari. Okay, to which I answer as follows. First, we have history on our side, okay? A little bit of history. Yeah. A few yeah. thousand years of Yeah, other history. than that, you're 100% right. Yeah. Uh, the reason why we're cemented in our thinking is I have noticed that when I roll a ball over a cliff, it will go down, not up, down. That's my experience with gravity. I found that gravity tends to pull things downward. All right, so you can, you can say that's cemented. So in that same way, my brain is cemented that, that market, the markets, private markets, are always, not sometimes, not most of the time, always better than the government. Remember, always. Okay? Now, does that mean that markets always work perfectly? No. Does that mean that there's no corruption in, market, in the markets? No. However, 
the corruption that you see in the markets and the inefficiencies that you might have in the markets is always far less than what you'll see in the government. Always. Not sometimes. Always. So whatever you can point to in the private sector and say, well, you see, such and such company went bankrupt. So so, so much for your, your vaunted uh, free market capitalist system. Um, I point to the whole government itself. Post office, Amtrak, Solidra, Light Source, <laughs> every one of them. Yes, every Social one. Social Security, uh, and HSA. The, right. You know, the, the fact that no, the, the fact that no government policy or organization has ever succeeded. How about that? Okay. It doesn't take much to cement it. I mean, it's see, we we go where the facts go with us, and I and I always say, if you can show me a liberal pro, a program that has worked that conservatives have opposed, I will vote Democrat for the rest of my life, right? But so far, so good. No one, no one has been able to come up with anything. It's a challenge that I, I, I sent out there today as well. Just write me at info at lurie-law.com and challenge me about this. And we're also, like you said, we're open-minded. If suddenly God came down revealing himself to us and says, Barack Ari, you're wrong. Socialism is the way to go from now on and I will make it work. Snap my fingers, and you now have the kind of socialism as portrayed in, like, Star Trek, where there's no money and everything works perfectly, and everyone right. has a front-row view condo of the Golden Gate Bridge yes, on yes. Knob Hill in San Francisco. It'll never Bring happen. Bring it on. It'll never happen. It, no, but if it did, we're open to it. Right, because as I'm predicting that human nature will not change, okay? Nope. <laughs> that's, my great, that's my great prediction for everyone. <laughs> Among the great... Barack Lurie podcast predictions and Ari well, David predictions. On the, on the I, boy, this is this is really taking myself on a limb. I think human nature won't change. How about that? So th- that's that's the the key. And it's since it's not going to change, I, I can make this prediction. Capitalism uh, has has always worked better than government involvement, always. And so when people say this to me about that, perhaps that we're reflecting cemented thinking. You know, I, I respect that. I understand that. But it's really been because of years of experience. I actually see it on the field. You as a liberal, you can't say that. The only experience you have is your constant coffee house conversations with your professor, with your fellow like-minded liberals in your echo chamber where you think these things work. And your MSNBC and your LA Times and... Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, look, I don't doubt that you have a lot of experience listening to these people, but that doesn't make it right, and it only reflects more cemented thinking. That's the danger, folks. Ask yourself, are you engaging in cemented thinking? Is there anything that you can do to unwind yourself about that? Because I can tell you, having had some cemented thinking myself when it came to atheism and my health, for that matter, in terms of the weight, my diet and everything else, it is so liberating. It is such a joy. And, and Ari, I know you speak about this too. You come to these great epiphanies that turn you around in a way that is so joyful, so delicious even. And, and I like looking back on my previous life and say, wow, what an idiot. How shallow I was thinking back then. And I, and I delight in, in the discovery. And so should we all. Get away from cemented thinking. Ask yourself the question, where do I think in a way that may be cemented and great things may result? Folks, I'm Barack Lurie. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk with you next time.